We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your Monday, March 27th. It's going to be a quick episode uh, today. I think we have uh, a relatively quiet weekend where the Browns made some additions. Um, we'll talk about one of them that they made on Sunday here. But before we do that uh, and talk about some of the more of my takeaways from Jordan Aikens on the film dive, I I want to talk real quick about Andrew Barry's uh, and maybe you missed this. It's entirely possible on a Sunday. The owners' meetings are happening down in Arizona. And uh, I thought Barry had a lot of interesting quotes. This is where you get a little bit more of the candid stuff away from Berea from him. And uh, had a lot of good stuff. So these are things that I found listening to uh, things on Twitter. Um, video that popped up from reporters covering it. So I just want to be clear that obviously I am not there. And this is coming secondhand. And, um, you know, knowledge uh, stuff that, you know, Barry said on um, Twitter videos, things like that, where they got some questions into him. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about it real quick. So I thought he said some interesting stuff about Elijah Moore. He said, uh, we feel really good about Elijah, loves ball, hard worker. He's a good teammate. He's a guy that despite some of the ups and downs in New York, and obviously we have a really good relationship with that organization. My time working with Joe Douglas, obviously with the Eagles there, those two cross paths, Barry and Joe Douglas, and then Kevin's uh, Stefanski's relationship with Robert Sala, but we feel good about Elijah bringing him into our building, and we think we uh, think he's going to do really well here. So that, and really, he talked too about um, the timing, which is something I've been reiterating that they did reach out and try to make a deal for him at the deadline last year when it was pretty vocal that he wanted out of New York. And at the time, Barry said they were pretty adamant that they weren't looking to move him at that time. But the things change, obviously, when the Aaron Rodgers pursuit is happening, and they're trying to do everything they can to gather you know, ammunition to go get him from Green Bay while also understanding, you know, the additions that they're trying to do at wide receiver to support all of the things Aaron Rodgers wants. There's a lot of things that come with that. And, and just naturally more kind of gets 
pushed out. And, and that's to me is wrong. I think the Browns are just doing a great job capitalizing on that. And I think ultimately the Jets, I've said this vocally now and on Twitter, that they'll live to regret that because I think they let a good wide receiver walk away for very, very little. Um, uh, Barry went on to talk about roles. And I think this is this is fascinating stuff. He, he digs in a little bit more on these things, particular to Elijah and Marquise, uh, obviously referring to Marquise Goodwin. They really do have uh, many different strengths, although people look at it on face value and say, hey, these are two undersized guys that really ran well coming out uh, of college. He said he continued on. Their games are a little bit different. I would say a lot of bit different. Elijah's a little bit more of an inside-outside separator, which I fully agree with. Really good hands, really good route runner. Marquise, despite his age, um, he says is still one of the fastest players in the perimeter in football, although we talked a little bit earlier or sorry, late last week about his success in the slot was pretty impressive with the with the Seahawks in 2022. He said so. Marquise, he's not the typecast either of those guys, but we really see them as having perhaps maybe a little different function in the offense than we get when we get to the fall. And I think that that to me should be obvious. If you look at these players, they don't play the game the same way. Uh, more is is much more nuanced and thrives off of route running technician stuff. Even though he has that speed. It's a little different. I think Marquise Goodwin's speed pops a bit more, uh, belongs a little bit more on the outside. But again, his ability to show, show some positional flex was really encouraging. And then uh, the question kind of moved into who they have in the building right now, Mike Woods, David Bell, uh, because those are guys that are still here that you know, you'd know you like to see continue to develop. Barry said, we look at the receiver room as having a good, healthy competition now. He said, all these guys have different skill sets. Like Mike Woods is probably more of your size, classical X separator. Probably if I could pair them with a vet, a little bit more like Amari, which again, Amari is a typical X for this offense in terms of skill set. Anthony Schwartz, he's referencing here a little bit more like Marquise with his ability to really stretch the field vertically. And then David, I've used the comparison before. Skill set is more in line with Jarvis. Um, you know, referring to Jarvis Landry when he was here was a guy who's good size, strength, catches the ball really well. Maybe not the fastest, but he's smooth. He's a good route runner. So the way we go go about looking at the receiver room is to get is uh, as we try to get to the roster to 53 is making sure that we have the appropriate skill sets that allow Kevin and the offense to call the game with enough flexibility in the passing game. And above all else, that is what they're trying to do here. And and I've, I've been saying it since like November of last year that this is an offense that's going to completely switch as it's it's aiming to curtail to Deshaun Watson, as it should, the guy that you've invested so much time, effort, and money into, it's it's going to be a different offense. And it should be. It really should be. You can still use Nick really effectively without building the offense in a way that is built to save bad quarterback play and pump forward running game. I think that there, there are complete shit, frame of mind shift going on here. And obviously... You know, you're looking at this whole thing. The, the focus is on wide receiver and diversity at wide receiver, and that's apparent what they're going to be doing a lot of. Uh, Barry talked about whether it was, um, you know, experience is what they're looking for, and he said, despite maybe how it's looked at times, I love speed. Right, this is what he was aiming for. We love speed, and I should say this: there's probably no general manager, head coach that says they want slow on the perimeter necessarily, but when you have an opportunity to add a good player who can really stress the defense with his ability to run, that's an opportunity that we're always going to look to take advantage of. He said, um, you know, speed took precedence over experience, even though Watson has more of both. He said, adding an element of deep big playability because that's what we've seen Deshaun do in the past to the skill set in the receiving room. You can you can do it through the tight end room. We have David, who can stretch the field vertically. Jordan Atkins, who uh, we added, he can stretch the field vertically. But having someone in the receiver room who can do that maybe a little bit more traditionally than Donovan 
or the way Donovan and Amari do, do it is important. So that was really the focus that obviously answers a part of Elijah and a part of Marquise Goodwin's role here is to do more of that stuff. And he also had a great quote here about, you know, even as we sit here today, we're two weeks away from the start of the league year. There's no position group or part of a uh, part of the roster that's complete at this point. We're really, really early in terms of the transaction season. Even as we sit here now, there's a lot of work to be done, a lot of things that could happen uh, to shape this roster, not just the draft. So we don't look at it as like, okay, catch your breath now. It's a long time till we're playing games in September. They're always going to be looking to turn over and churn depth and take advantage of opportunities like the one we saw with Elijah Moore, where they get a player at a great price, and um, they'll continue to do that stuff. Also hinted out over the weekend that they were never really in on Jerry Judy to the point of serious conversation. Um, you're still getting some mixed reports about that. Some people saying that he was ava- that he is still available and they might move him closer to the draft. Sean Payton comes out and says they're not moving either Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy. I don't think they will, um, especially Judy. I think that'd be nonsense at this point to move a, a rookie talented player that they really need in uh, a tight uh, window of opportunity to move players on that roster. They they need those guys. So I, I just don't – it's so much different than the Elijah Moore situation, so I don't think that one's going to happen. But, listen, great stuff from Barry, good quotes, talking about these players, giving some insights into some of the young guys and how they pair with the old guys, and especially talking about how these wide receivers are going to impact things because I think it's abundantly obvious the changes were coming. They're chasing big plays. They need more big plays in the passing game. And uh, excited about that, that they recognize that. And I think they always have, but it's about opportunity to get certain, you know, you know, player types that is not always the easiest thing to do. You can't can't force things to come to fruition at times. And uh, I really like what what those quotes were from Barry about that. So excited about where the offense is moving, which is in a direction that I still feel optimistic about as it's some things that I outlined that I, I hope that they would do. And again, moving in the right direction. So um, good stuff from Andrew Barry. Maybe we'll get some more stuff out of the owners meetings. We'll see. Uh, we'll be right back, though. We're going to take our first break of this episode, and then we are going to talk about a couple players that they've added to the roster. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, first up is an addition along the offensive line, and I don't know that we have talked enough about this. They don't have a ton of depth behind the two guards. They have Nick Harris, they have Dawson Deaton, they have um, Drew Forbes, who they brought back this past year, but they have let go of some people, right? The Blake Hans and Mike Dunn's that we have come to know, um, on top of, obviously, the swing tackle position that they got from Chris Hubbard where he could play inside. They need to make some moves here. Now, the draft could be a part of this, but 
Um, they decided to bring in Wes Martin. And again, this is probably a guy you're saying, who? Uh, and that would, that would make a lot of sense because just like last year when they brought in Ethan Posich, you, you had no clue that was. Wes Martin is um, a bit of an unknown. Now, if you're an Ohio high school football fan, maybe you know him. He's a Milton Union, went to Indiana, and he got drafted 131st pick in the 2019 draft. So it's like he wasn't viewed as a talentless UDFA or something along those lines, as we've seen the Browns shuffle through some like Yodi Froholt, who's just left. Um, he's played 50 college games. He's been around the NFL for a while. First two years were with Washington. Then he was released from Washington before the 21 season. Ended up back on the practice squad, signed with the Giants active roster in September of 2021. Spent the 21 season with the Giants before being waived in May of 22. Claimed by the Jaguars, spent most of training camp with the Jags before being released, and he was claimed again by the Commanders. They made it to their practice squad and spent the 2022 season there. Um, in total, 38 NFL games, starting 11. Not encouraging stuff. He's not, again, this is a guy that they must see some traits that they want to work with. He plays too high. I think he leans and lunges too much. Um, a decent player moving in space. Zone concepts or, or some of their pulling concepts that they might want to, you know, putting him on the perimeter, such as pin pulls, stuff like that. Maybe a downline kick out in the, in the power counter game, uh, pulling up for an inside linebacker. But, again, this is a, this is a player that is not guaranteed to make the roster. has a good chance because, again, the competition isn't steep at that spot. But to me, um, is clearly a guy that, that Callahan and his people have recognized as a, as a player they think they can, they can mold. There's something here. So he started five games at right guard as a rookie and at left guard five times in his second year. So he's played both guard positions. He made one start for the Giants in 2021, appeared in six games for the Commanders in 22, largely special teams-based so, again, this is a guy they can work with, and we should have faith that they can they can handle this, right? They they they're identifying and bringing in guys that they think they can mold, that they think they can get something out of. This is the one thing this offensive line has done now, you can make an argument they haven't developed Jed, Jedrick Wills and haven't figured that out, and that's true, but they have taken guys at a lower level and brought their level of play up. Now we'll see if that changes based on being out of the traditional wide zone stuff and putting a bit more stress on pass blocking. But this is something that we should trust them on, trust Bill Callahan, and hopefully he can bring him along and he's a veteran minimum. I'm sure his contract won't have much guaranteed to it as he fights for a roster spot. But in, in, in totality, it's a player who has a chance to compete in a rather shallow, less shallow, I'm sorry, I think it's probably the lesser known shallow spot on the roster because we know the first five, we know James Hudson, and you know, uh, Nick Harris backing up a center. Nick Harris has uh, some guard experience at the NFL. Very minimal. wasn't great, but he could provide that too. But, yeah, you're talking about Drew Forbes, Dawson Deaton, and then are they going to draft somebody? And I'm sure they'll be active on the waiver wire. That's an easy spot to be identifying guys, have a long list of players you'd be interested in working with, and if they get cut, hit the waiver wire, bring them in. That's always something. So it's not anything to be worried about. But it is clearly, to me, something that they're going to look to continue to address. Joel is continuing to get older. Wyatt Teller's contract is pushing into a spot of flexibility if they wanted to move him at some point. So having some answers there would be interesting. So again, Wes Martin, one-year deal. We'll see uh, what the guaranteed money is, but I do not expect it to be very high at all. Um, lastly, as we close, I did more research on Jordan Akins, and there's a lot to be optimistic about, man. Like As far as a pass-catching talent, really impressive. And, and, and I think what's interesting to me, and not many people have talked about this, at least from what I've seen, he is a baseball guy. He came out of 
uh, UCF. He was drafted um, in the 2010 MLB draft third round by the Rangers. So he was in that 2010 UCF signing class, but the deal with the Rangers third round bonus money, he took that route. Um, 218 is an outfielder in four seasons. Texas farm system, including a 283 mark, which is solid in 2011. 24 homers, 42 stolen bases, and 321 minor league games played. Then he went back to um, football in 2014. He plays his freshman year in 14 and 15 as a wide receiver. He actually won the, uh, a wide receiver job as a and then a, and then a kick return, punt return job um, as a sophomore. But then as a bigger guy, transitioned over to playing tight end in 16 and 17. And... Um, he was the first team all conference accolades. He, he was in the Mackey Award watch list. Did a lot of great things at tight end. And um, the problem was is that he came into the NFL draft at an age Browns fans are sort of accustomed to here from our exposure to Brandon Whedon, who also played baseball and then went back to college football, came back to the NFL. Um, you know, he's I think Whedon came in at 28, Aikens came in at 26. So a lot of people thought he might not even get drafted, be a late player. He was actually taken. Uh, third round pick 98 so he was selected early there's a lot of promising film I mean he's he had a great senior bowl back then a lot of he did a lot of fantastic things um, but you know to me here's here's what it is you see the wide receiver stuff like uh, a really really nice receiving player and he played four years with the Texans thought he did pretty well pairing up with Deshaun for the most part of that time through 20 21 was obviously a new quarterback he had uh, his best two years at least in my opinion uh, in the early portions of his career, with 19 and 20, where he had 36 catches, 418, and two touchdowns. And 2020, he had 37 catches, 403, and a touchdown. Then, and 21, as the entire Texans organization was floundering from figuring out quarterback, a lot of moving parts. He only had 24 catches on 31 targets for 214. They let him go. He uh, hits free agency, um, decides to sign with the Giants. He actually gets cut. Now, a one year deal with the Giants gets cut, and a really surprising cut. And he thought he was done with football. Uh, and I was just listening to some of his interviews. He was ready to step away and just retire because at that point, you know, he's coming into this year. He's going to be 31. He is approaching 30 at that point. Gets cut by the Giants, uh, but decides to proceed forward. He gets a call from the Texans, an organization he obviously knows well. They bring him back to the practice squad. Then he finds his way onto the active roster because of injuries and has his best year as a pro. 37 catches on 49 targets, 495, and five touchdowns. He had a phenomenal year pass game production-wise. Like, I mean, it's a cool story, man. It's a really cool story. Now, the Texans let him go because he's 31. They're in a rebuild. They don't want to pay him what another organization that values his secondary tight end abilities like Cleveland would pay him. I don't know other teams that were interested, but I don't think it's it's a mystery why the Texans would let him go. They're trying to develop young players. They have some tight ends like Brevin Jordan they like. There, there's some promise there. Um, anyway, it's not, again, not surprising to me why they wouldn't try to fight to bring him back. Maybe if it was a vet minimum, they would have tried, but they weren't paying up uh, for something they're trying to develop some other players. The Browns see this as a valuable player, probably bidding against some others, and see him as a nice two-year piece at an even cheaper yearly number than Harrison Bryant will be, which will put Harrison Bryant in a tough spot. But... Yeah, man. I mean, he's a pass-catching guy by nature. I mean, his receiving grades have been pretty stellar, uh, especially of late, where I think he gets downfield. He's surprising agility for a guy who's 6'4", 245, 250. He can make plays happen after the catch. He runs really well. I mean, he runs in space um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to look up real quick his his uh, his his relative athletic score coming out, but he moves really well down the football field. He didn't run a 40, but I would have to imagine he would have ran a really strong 40. He also has some nice stop start for a guy his size, the tight end screen stuff he can make plays happen. Gets down the field, catching the ball out and away from his frame, but can also run after the catch, like I said, where he's got many, many catch and run plays where he makes somebody miss or he's able to power through people. Does a nice job. Um, and again, I'm posting his film room here on Monday um, for you guys to check out. OBR subscribers. I'm really impressed. I mean, he gets down the football field well. He's, he's an effortless runner, uh, surprising speed. Uh, like I said, very agile at the at the catch point that can get away from tackles if he can he can maintain contact balance. Like I really am impressed by how well he's able to either duck away or make people miss or get open in space. And he's he's I would say he's again as gifted an open field player as David Njoku is. I mean, David, the difference is David's a stellar blocker and. Jordan is not a stellar blocker. You can see the wide receiver uh, stuff here with Aikens. I mean, he, and, and I put up some stuff on his blocking. He does. He is about as passive as they come. For he's a pretty big sized guy, and he can sometimes handle it. But for the most part, he doesn't want much to do with it. He doesn't put a ton of effort into it all the time. Um, in terms of making those above and beyond blocks, if he's pulling, he doesn't really love to hit. Uh, bigger defensive ends. I mean, who does? But there are times where he'll pull up and through for a linebacker from like a tight F alignment and tight end, uh, and just not be interested in blocking the right guy. It's it's not great. I mean, he's a pass catching tight end, a guy who they want to push down the field vertically, allow him to get matched up against mismatches and defenses. He's a much more athletic version of the second tight end that they've been trotting out with Harrison Bryant. The difference is Bryant is a fighting, go get it blocker type. And, and Akins is definitely a pass-catching receiver uh, that, that is at the position who will block when necessary, but is not looking to do that very often. Um, so that's the difference. So it's really what you want out of that 12 personnel second tight end on the football field. It's clear Akins gives you a lot more flexibility and, a, and, and big play explosion in the passing game. Uh, but you have to be very wise about how you use him as a blocker because you're really not going to get much out of him from that spot. So, um, yeah, that's about it. So that wraps it up. That's everything. Uh, you know, like I said, interesting signing, continuing to add to that offensive line. I think the Browns will, uh, that'll be one of the spots, the, the depth of that, you know, with the West Martin signing and many more claims will happen. I don't know if they'll draft a guy there. Maybe they will. I'm not sure, um, you know, if they want to use. Uh, a draft where they don't have a ton of premium picks if they want to use something in the 100s on a uh, interior offensive lineman. But it is something down the line to be thinking about. So we'll keep you up to date on that. But, yeah, check out the film room with Jordan Atkins, which is up. I posted the defensive line, Maurice Hurst, Tristan Hill film room. I'll get to Marquise Goodwin at some point to have that one up for you to see how he's been performing over the last few years with Chicago and Seattle. So check that out. That's it for today, though. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be back Tuesday. Uh, with a new show and a guest on that one. It won't be me solo, so you'll have somebody else to hear. But listen, I appreciate you being here. I always appreciate you stopping by, listening to this pod, and continuing to check it out, Spotify, Apple, all the major spots. So I appreciate you being here. Have a fantastic Monday, guys, and go Browns.